0: So we're going to jump right in on this here. When we first built our house, me and Nicole, when we first built our house, we we wanted to plant some fruit trees. So we planted a couple apple trees and then we planted a cherry tree. Now the cherry tree we put right on the corner of the house, like as you come in the driveway, it's the first thing that you see right there. And we planted this tree in memory of the two babies that we lost in miscarriage. And so, you know, they're pretty significant trees for us. it, It means a lot to us and you know the fruit that comes off of this tree is kind of a bitter tasting fruit it's not the best best tasting fruit we've ever had but you know it's kind of fitting honestly for for the purpose of why we planted it and so you know maybe get probably a bowl full of fruit off of it every year nothing crazy but you know it's 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 okay you know you can you can try a little bit and it's you know it puts out a little bit of fruit so this past spring i decided that i was it was time to prune this tree cuz it was really getting bushy it was it was getting overgrown and so I'm out there clipping away on this thing, and the first thing that I was looking for was branches that were crisscrossing. And the reason I was looking for crisscrossing branches is because, first of all, the one branch is going to block the sunlight from hitting the other branch. And then the other part of that is that sometimes these branches can actually rub against each other and rub the bark and then uh, you know, expose that tree to you know, diseases or whatever. So you want to get those crisscrossing branches out of there. The next thing that I started looking for was just areas where it was overall just too thick. And basically what I'm trying to aim for is is a tree that's open enough that the breeze can kind of blow through it freely and where sunlight can hit every branch. So I'm just going to town, clipping, 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 you know, doing my thing, and I'm getting in the zone, and then I look over at Nicole, and she's just like... (gasps) Oh no. And uh and in fact it was so hard on her that she had to go inside because she couldn't handle it anymore. It's like, is this ruining the tree? The, the tree looks so pretty, it was so full, and now it's like scraggly and looks ugly and it's empty and bare. And, you know, but really there is that question of like, can this even be good? Like, I feel like we're gonna hurt this tree or ruin this tree, you know, and 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 that pruning process is almost a little painful, you know. It's just a tree, but there's kind of these emotional attachments that we have to these trees, you know, and it's special in some ways, and so you don't want to do anything wrong. Well, now fast forward to this week. This tree has exploded with growth. The cherries are just more than we've ever seen before. We've probably got three to four times as many cherries on this tree right now, and that's because the tree was able to direct all of its energy or or a lot more of its energy into producing actual fruit and uh, as you guys could see some of the pictures that were shown just a few moments ago we've got a lot of fruit and there's probably enough now that we could we could maybe even make like a jam or something out of it you know not a lot but I mean we could make something and uh, you know that's kind of exciting to think about that that you know this tree can be productive and useful for us not just something that we visually look at but something that's useful and has has some purpose to it um you know, I think that this is kind of a picture of what our life can look like sometimes. You know, we're we're this you know, we've got a lot of these branches that are unnecessary and they're hindering the production of what God wants to do in our life, that fruit that he wants to produce in us. They're just there kind of hanging on to our life causing a bunch of issues. And, uh, and, you know, pruning is not this new concept. It's been around well before Jesus' time, and Jesus used these illustrations about pruning. And, and, you know, farmers and gardeners back in these ancient times were experiencing the same results that I am experiencing today. And so just like pruning a tree is good, it is also good that God prunes us. By show of hands, how many of you guys have ever pruned a tree before? How many of you would say by show of hands that after pruning that tree that you got more fruit or better fruit off of that tree into the future? Okay, so a lot of you had a very positive experience with pruning. And you guys, it's the same when God prunes us, that positive thing that comes out of us. So we're going to dig into a passage of scripture here. Uh, John chapter 15. And starting in verse 1, it says... I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Okay, so I want to I lay something out here, first of all, about this passage. This passage is what is known as a Michelle. Now, it is a parable. A Michelle is a version of a parable, but it's different than your normal parable. See, a normal parable has a central theme that's trying to be... got across. There's a central theme that, that a parable is trying to tell. Okay? And, and you've got to be really careful with parables that you don't read into them too much and try to come up with too many ideas because all of a sudden you could come up with some really weird theologies based off of what this, what's being said in this parable. There's a central theme and a main idea, a religious idea that's usually being portrayed with a parable. But what's different about a Michelle like this verse is that there's multiple different allegories that can be kind of pulled and drawn from this verse. So right off the bat, we see, I am the true vine, and my father is the branch. You see, or, I mean, and my father is the gardener. He's not the, he's not the branch. He's the gardener. And so you see this, these, this Michelle that's coming together already. These multiple ideas that are being pulled together in one instance. Now, something else that's really interesting about this verse is that it is one of Jesus' I am statements. If you notice, right in the very first part of this verse, says, I am the true vine. Now, Jesus uses this term often in his ministry, and he uses it as a phrase when he is trying to convey something about his identity, about who he is. And honestly, that was the burning question that everybody had. Who is Jesus? Who is he? And so they'd really key in on these statements that he'd make right here, the I am statements. They really wanted to know, what did Jesus have to say about himself? Now, um, the interesting thing about the way that Jesus would use these I am statements is that it was a very veiled, somewhat vague kind of way, but there was some truths, some really deep truths that are hidden in there, but he would say it in a way that like your average listener would have to sit there and be like, huh? Like, what did he mean by that? And it was like what Jesus was trying to do was get you to really think about it. He wanted you to really dig in deep to what he was actually saying. So let me give you an example, a couple examples. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then now we read in this passage, I am the true vine. Do you see how each one of those ones, like at a first glance, you'd be like, well, I I guess if I really think about it, I could kind of understand what it means. But at a first glance, it's like, whoa, okay, what is he saying about himself? What does this really mean? Now, I want to jump back now to the Old Testament here. And we're going to look at an I am statement that's a really important one in Scripture, probably one of the most well-known ones in Scripture. We're looking at Exodus chapter 3, and this is where Moses is before the burning bush, and God is speaking to him. And God has just told Moses that he is supposed to go to the Israelites that are enslaved in Egypt, and he is supposed to go under God's power and authority and set the people free. Set the people free from the bondage that they are under. Okay, so he goes to God, he's talking to God at the burning bush, and he has a question for God. And this is what we read here in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Did you catch that? Does that sound a little similar to like what people were wondering about Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who is this God that you say you're coming in the name of? Who is this God? And then he says, what shall I tell them? And then this is God's response. God said to Moses, I am... Who I am, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now this phrase "I am in a standalone way is one of the most powerful ways of describing self-sufficiency. God is is like he is just is like there is no other God. there is no uh, like... Who is this other God that you come in the name? No, it's like God is God. He is God. I am self-sufficient. There is no other God. Shouldn't there shouldn't even be a question. Who is sending you? It is me. So now, um, there's another time, though, that we see Jesus uses an I am statement. And this time is interesting because... He is, it, it's, it's not so veiled like what the other ones were. This time, Jesus is before the Sanhedrin. And if you know the storyline of how this is flowing, this is right before he's about to be put on the cross. Okay? So, here's what's happening. He's been speaking in veiled terms, using, using a lot of terms that, not dodging who his identity is, but, but really... Just speaking in a way that really means you have to dig in to understand it. But here he speaks very clearly. And it says that Jesus was silent. And then again the priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And he says, I am. Now, did you catch that? I am. But here's also what's interesting then. If that left any doubt in your mind, wait till you see what he says next. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. That is about as direct of a claim to divinity of being God as you could ever come up with. He's saying that he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father. That is an equal position. He is making a claim of divinity here using the phrase I am. But you know what's interesting is if you really think back on all the I am statements that Jesus made, really they were all divine claims. They're just said in a way that you really got to think about it. Like he's expressing who he is and part of his divine role as Jesus the Messiah. And so this is this incredible moment here. And... um, and kind of a, a life-changing moment. And, but, it, you know, what ended up happening is the, the religious leaders got so mad that they, they tore their shirts and then they ended up getting so angry that they led Jesus off to be crucified. Now, there's something else that's really crazy cool that you need to know about this verse is that in the Old Testament, the Israelites were described as being the vine. Now most of the time when the Old Testament would describe the Israelites being the vine, it was usually a withered vine that had no life in it. It was dead. And that represented that they were living in sin. And so God would come in and cut off that vine and throw it into the fire. And that was to symbolize the judgment that would come upon the people. And we heard story after story in the Old Testament of how God's judgment came on the people because of their sin as a result of their witheredness. But what's interesting here is now Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. It's like the vine that the Israelites were, the vine that humans were, that they could not sustain, they could not have life, they could not be true, they could not honor God. All of a sudden, Jesus takes the place of that vine. He is now the life source. He is now the one that brings nourishment for all those that find it in him. He is the true vine. And so now, it's like describing this idea that Jesus is our mediator. It's this divine role that he has where he is the mediator between us and the Father. And we can now have a chance at having life and life abundantly and to be fruitful. Now, I'm going to also look here at verse 2. Let's jump ahead on this verse and it reads here now. It says, "He cuts off," and this is referring to the Father here. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, one thing that I find really interesting about this verse is, if it's a dead branch, what happens to the dead branch? You can say it. It gets cut off. Okay? But what does it say happens to the fruitful branch? It, gets, it still gets cut. It still gets groomed. You know, here's the thing that so many people want to ignore is like, God is either going to cut one way or he's going to cut the other. And the one way ain't good, the other way is very good. But it, it still might be painful, it still might not be enjoyable. But God's pruning work is a lot better than just being cut off. And it's kind of sad to think of the result of that. Now, um, I would say that maybe a good way of looking at it, like a good term to use, is what God does in our life is like a trimming work. He comes in and he just, he cleans us up. And this is what we're going to get this idea here in this next verse. In verse 3, it says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You guys, this trimming work that Jesus does in us, this being connected to the vine is a cleansing work that God is doing in us. He is making us more pure. He is making us more holy. And so it is this wonderful, amazing gift. Do you guys see now how this Michelle is starting to come together? All these different imageries and ideas that are all pulling together to kind of complete this story here. Now, Jesus is setting the scene here for a point that he's going to drive home now. A really major idea that he's going to drive home in this parable. And this is what he says, reading in verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And the main point that's getting said here, your fruitfulness is dependent upon your connection to Jesus. Your fruitfulness is dependent upon your connection to Jesus. Verse 5 tells us that apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Your connection to Jesus is absolutely essential. Verse 6 tells us that if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. Branches that are unfruitful. It's described that judgment is coming. And to be honest, we have a lot of hope for the good things that can come. But for those that are not connected to the life source of Jesus, it's kind of scary. It's not good. It's not a very positive ending outcome so the question is are you going to be trimmed or are you going to be cut if you're not finding your hope and faith in jesus the outcome doesn't look very good but those who remain in the vine will bear much fruit and today i've titled this message don't fear the pruning and that's because if you are in jesus you do not need to fear god's trimming work in your life and why Because verse 2 tells us that he's doing it to make you more fruitful. So God's trimming work in your life is really there to produce a better version of you, a better outcome, a more holy version of you, a more lovable version of you, a more transformed version of you. That's what he's doing. You've been saved, but he is sanctifying you and transforming you more into the image of you of jesus now all of us we come to jesus with some baggage and just because you give your life to jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden all the old stuff is just suddenly gone oh there we go (laughs) now some of us we look at our life and it's like we come to christ it's like oh yeah look at now you got to bear with me here i did not cut my apple tree I didn't want to do that for this. So this is an aspen tree, so pretend that this has fruit on it, okay? You, gotta, you just got to roll with me on this here. So a lot of people, they look at their life and like, wow, look at all this growth, God. You have changed me. I am a new creation. Thank you, God, for what you have done. Ah! Oh. Got a little carried away there, sorry. I don't ever get too carried away, Sorry. So God is like coming over here and he's trimming out some parts of your life. And you know, so many Christians, so many people, when God starts to do that work in their life, they resent him for it. They hate him for it. How dare you, God, tell me that I shouldn't do this? How dare your word say anything about that? You're wrong. I can do what I want. That's how so many people approach God. It's like, I'm the one that calls the shots here. I got news for you, you don't. God is the one that's got the shears. It ain't your mom, it ain't your dad, it ain't the pastor, it ain't me, it ain't you. It's God. God's the one that's doing the trimming work. And it's important for us to know what he says. It's important for us to know what matters to God. Because those shears are coming. And he's going to work it. And he's going to do it. You know, um, I've seen God work in a lot of different ways when it comes to this pruning work. Oftentimes it's the result of you know, like in this instance, a like a person, and I've experienced this where you just hit that rock bottom place of like, wow, I'm just I'm just miserable in my sin. Like this is just brutal. Like every day, it's just haunting me all the time. And I can't seem to get away from this. I, I'm so sick of what's going on. I just don't like myself. I don't and you get to that place where you're just so broken over who you are and where you're at in the state of your life that you're like, please, God. Just take this away. Just take it away. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. It's just miserable. That's the one way that God does it. And yeah, that is a great way to get there. But everybody that hits rock bottom will tell you, boy, that's a long journey to get there. It's a painful, painful journey. You know, the other way that I've seen God prune in people's life and in my life is that I think he's sitting there like, well, Let's see how he responds to this. Ooh, and you're like, ah, Lord, stop it! Oh, how did you, why'd you touch that branch? No! I hate my sister, why'd you take away my anger? I wanna be angry with her. I don't, I'm not actually angry with you. <laughs> There's literally like, doesn't that just sound like the dumbest thing ever? Like we hold on to these things as like as if this makes my life better because I'm holding on to my sin. And God's there, like you're miserable. You are miserable where you're at, and this is doing no good for you. And you could use a little pruning. You could use a little bit of this out of your life. And that's what God does is He comes in and it's just it's crazy to me that I do this at times and that you guys do this at times, that we resist God's pruning, and we get angry with God, and we tell him, no, I don't want that. You guys, there's been so many people over the years. Now, I'm I'm not saying the church is perfect, because sometimes we're kind of crazy. I mean, let's be real. I'm crazy. You're crazy. We're all crazy. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you're crazy, okay? (laughs) So not everything that happens in the church is of God. Let's just be real. But There has been a lot of people over time that God is trying to do a trimming work in their life. He's putting his pruning shears in there to clean that person up a little bit, and that person wants nothing to do with it. And they end up leaving the church because of it. They blame the church, they blame Christians, they blame everybody. But they don't take a good look at their own life and see man that is a dead unfruitful branch in my life and i would be best served to let god come in and, and i'll tell you what it's painful it's hard when god does that because sometimes we don't expect it oftentimes this comes with some of those most difficult most painful kind of moments that you could ever come up with i mean it hits hard but, you know, so many Christians, they look at their tree and they're like, okay, God, this is all good. This is so wonderful. I, 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 I like it exactly how it is, God. This branch right here, don't touch that branch. I like it right there. I'm like, well, what what is that branch? Well, I mean, I mean, I know that I'm jealous sometimes of that, that guy. That guy I know, thats he's, it's like every time he takes on a business deal, he does really good. He always comes out well. He always makes a lot of money. And I'm over here like bumbling around, can't get nothing right with my business deals and everything's bad and I never make money and this and that. Well, you want to be jealous of that guy? Because that doesn't seem like a lot of good fruit. Well, you know, God, uh, this, this branch that's over here, like, you know, just, just ignore this one. Like, I don't talk about this one with anyone. I don't share this with anyone. And I definitely don't talk about it with you. My sexual addictions are off the table. Well, you know, God, uh, uh, I mean, I, I know that I'm always craving people's attention and I'm always wanting to be Uh, noticed and affirmed, and I'm always finding so much of my identity, and what people say about me, I I, I know that I do that, but I mean, that's not really a sin, is it? That's not really a bit, it's not even impacting anybody else. God, you don't, it's such a small branch, nobody even notices that. They wouldn't even see that. They're not impacted by that. Oh, you know, God, uh, I mean, Last week, yeah, I was I was I was a little harsh with my wife and I said some things that were probably not right, but you know, she'll get over it, you know. I mean that's no big deal. Does that work? <laughs> no. Oh I trying to figure out where my branch is here. <laughs> God comes in and he proves that. Oh, oh, it's a fighter. <laughs> Now you guys, I'm not trying to minimize any of the pain that some of you guys have gone through because some of you maybe are going through the most difficult season of your life. Some of you are experiencing your dead branches or another person's dead branches in a way that's extremely, extremely painful. You know, some people carry deep wounds in their heart to this day. Maybe it's from childhood. Maybe some of you have been hurt by your own child. Some of you have lost a loved one through all different kinds of reasons and means, and and there's a lot of pain that's associated with that. Maybe some of you have been uh, alienated from your family because of circumstances. Uh, Maybe there's somebody that swindled you Or maybe you swindled somebody else, and there's some bad blood. Maybe it could even be relationship issues, maybe with your spouse. You're just not even on the same page. Like, we're just so far off, we don't even connect with each other anymore. It's just, it's painful. And you look at it, and you look at your life, and it's like, we both got all these dead branches in our life, and man, they're just getting in the way and screwing up everything. That we have in what should be this loving, amazing relationship. We started out so good, and now it's just turned into this disaster. And all this dead junk is ruining things in us, for us. Some people here have even been to the point where it's been so painful that the relationship ended. Now, here's the reality. Some of you might be justified in your anger. You might have every reason to be angry. But it's still a dead branch that God wants to do some work on. He wants to trim that out. He wants to bring some healing. He wants to bring some restoration. He wants to do something new. He wants to make you more fruitful so that the things that used to drag you down so much are no longer dragging you down. It's not that they don't ever exist or that you can't ever, it's gone from your memory forever. But it doesn't hold like it used to. It doesn't stick like it used to. It doesn't drain from you like it used to. We have a master gardener, God, the Father, who's going in and he is gently reaching in and he is clipping out the areas of our life that needs some trimming, that needs some work from him. And he's doing it because he's going to make you more fruitful. He's going to make you more effective for the kingdom. He's going to make you more loving. He's going to make you more gracious. He's going to make you more responsible. He's going to do all these things in you because he loves you, because he cares for you. And that is a way better way to live your life than the old way you don't need to fear God's pruning you don't need to resist him you don't need to run it's time to let those walls down and it's time to let your guard down it's time to stop deflecting it's time to just be real with God where's your heart really at because he knows it already so I'm gonna have the band come forward at this time and we're going to finish out with some moments of silence and prayer. And this is a chance for you to personally just wrestle it out with the Lord right now. Share your heart. Share your feelings. Share your thoughts. Share those sins or those branches, those dead branches in you that need some work. They need some pruning. Let God work that in you. And so let's, let's go into a moment of silence and prayer here right now. Father, I want to pray for anybody here today that has maybe been experiencing your pruning work in their life. And God, maybe it's a a very difficult season for them. Maybe they're going through things that, that they wish would never have happened. But God, I pray that in the midst of wherever they're at, that your grace and your love and your peace and your gentle pruning shears would come in and do a mighty work to produce a greater good god i pray for anybody in this room that has maybe never been connected to you the vine. they're not finding their life source in you they're a dead withered branch and they have not experienced your healing power your grace your sufficiency they have not tasted of what you can give through the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that today in this moment that they, would, that they would encounter you, God, that they would find their life in you, that they would find their strength and joy and love in you, and that you would bring healing to their life right now, God, that you would change them God, we are so blessed and so grateful that you are a tender, loving, gracious God that cares so much about us that you want to help us with these areas that we struggle with so much. You are there to meet us in our lowest places. You are there to help us when we can't do it ourselves. And God, I pray that everybody here today would experience your power and victory through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection over sin. God, we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.